welcome back to the podcast. I'm Anna. And I'm Kayleen. And we're Entreprequeers, <laughs> a podcast about two gay idiots owning and operating a business at the midst of end stage capitalism. Welcome back to the show. Hello, we hello. We have a very exciting guest with us today, Justin Schumann. We're going to walk into that, more into the main dish, but we're just going to chill. And... Uh, Let's just let's do just do a brief check in. Yeah, a little bit of, of a vibe uh, check. That's you. Things are changing week to week. Yeah, yeah. You go, yeah, you go first. How are things? No, you always make me go first. Okay, you I go don't, first. Hmm. I, I don't know what else to say except for here in New Orleans, the Mardi Gras noose is tightening. Uh, <laughs> and we become, I mean, that's a pretty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the as as as. What does that mean? I feel like. Nobody knows unless Nobody if you knows like, unless you're in New Orleans. Yeah, no. like that's very abstract. So this thought. is a meme that's gone around in like local circles where it's taken like the Christmas story where the little boy's just like sitting at the table like staring into nothing and he's like the Christmas noose is tightening. Someone edited the Mardi Gras noose is tightening and put like a king cake and like a hand grenade and like a bunch of Mardi Gras beads in there. Um, basically, it's becoming less and less uh, realistic to be an actual person here. Everybody has the urge to frolic in the streets no one wants to get anything done yeah. i had to warn all my like out of town clients that have weddings coming up in march that like get everything you need to get done this week because your vendors won't be reachable after yeah. like mid-february because Jello everybody time. it's just kind of like it is like it is like cr- i don't know like in cr- like i feel like around christmas time in new york like when i worked in theater I worked in regional theater and like I couldn't get a hold of anyone in New York like the two week like the week the two weeks before Christmas everyone's just like goodbye <laughs> um like everyone in the agencies so mm-hmm. it was just like everybody just kind of cl- checks out um so I've been trying to be very good about setting boundaries around my time and expectations she has she shut me down she keeps shutting me down baby <laughs> I <laughs> I am someone who likes to just say yes to things and have a very full plate work-wise. And so I've had to be very realistic with myself about what I'm actually going to be able to accomplish like two weeks from now. So I've just been trying to, yeah, I've had to, Anna's come to me with some great like business or podcast or like um, partnership ideas. And I just keep being like, table it till March table it till March I'm not useful right now I can't I can't commit so yeah, yeah that's kind of where I am I'm I am doing we're, we're doing like a candle market and all that um but other than that that's kind of like my last thing that I'm actually professionally committed to and that's this Sunday well, the thing about Mardi Gras is too is it's just I feel like a lot of people think it's just like one day no it's no. a whole season it is a the first big parade was last Saturday was this past Saturday so that's a literally and Mardi Gras March 1st so from February 5th to March 1st and then as the closer we get to the date more and more stuff starts to happen there becomes like a parade almost every night mm. um, at least one and usually it's multiple and so it's just everybody just wants to put on glitter and dance in the streets and so I'm I'm not yeah. trying to get any major projects done in that time. So yeah, it's a it, what they say it's like a marathon, not a sprint, which I feel like I've learned the hard way. I used way. to give that advice to kids in the French Quarter when I worked in the French Quarter all the time. Mm-hmm. Mainly when I saw them holding hand grenades, and I'm like, just one, please, just yeah. have one. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, uh, as 
Per usual, I feel like while one of us is frolicking, one of us is pretty deep in work mode, and I am pretty deep in work mode right now. Um, so I have discovered Notion, which I did like this online workshop and she hosted it like on Zoom and then she had Notion documents and everybody in the chat was just like, we love Notion. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Well, I think it's just kind of like a project manager. The way I can describe it, it's kind of like a bullet journal for yourself. So um, online. And you can add photos and it's pretty customizable. And what I really like about it is you can share documents within your Notion to other people who use Notion. So you can share like to-do lists or things that you're working on so you can collaborate. So I never liked Google Docs. It was always pretty uh, sloppy for me. I was never really organized with it, but who knew all I needed was just to be able to put like a cover photo of Frankenfurter on my to-do list. And now I'm just like, wow, I can really get stuff done. So um, yeah, I'm using it um, for different, yeah, different projects and just getting things done. And I'm a big fan and that's really, I've just been learning that software and that's, uh, that's my update. How about you, Justin? What's, what's the vibe over there? Well, hey, this is sort of my my hello as well. So it's it's really nice to be sharing space with you guys right now. Um, I first want to reflect back on each of you. Kayleen, I've never experienced um, Mardi Gras for myself, but it does seem that the baby in the king cake is a missed opportunity in these political cartoons where the Mardi Gras noose is tightening because right? what a fun way to go, right? Just choking, <laughs> I, I, choking I, I on the baby I do believe in the, the meme there is a king cake in the background. Like there's a Photoshopped king cake. That's, yeah. yeah. I was responding. I was responding to that, and I was like, "We." I have a cast member who brought a couple of king cakes because she's from New Orleans. So, I, I actually, I missed the king oh. cake. I didn't get a piece of the king cake, but I, yeah. I have had king cake in the past, and so I'm, I'm aware of the baby um, and the fear that comes with what if I ingest. <laughs> um, it's also a genuine fear of what if I get the baby. I know somebody who, because in an office setting, like the rule is, if you get the baby, you bring the next king cake. Like, so I've definitely right. had people who are. Uh, not allowed to get office king to not allowed to have office king cake anymore because like one season they got eight babies in a row and, and they, they were people. on the hook for eight. Yeah, that's king a lot of cakes. My friend, my friend's preschooler came home yesterday and they had taped the baby to a note that was like, "Your kid got." the baby please provide the next oh king my cake God. like that's what it's like for louisiana yeah, daycares there's, <laughs> there's clearly a disparity between how serious people take the baby as well and so it's like you know yeah. for that daycare it was you know, by pain of death <laughs> right. you're bringing the king cake next year and so for other people but um so that's so that's where my mind went and anna i um i'm not on notion but i've also been seeing it on tiktok all over the place um, and I really respect that you were like, no, with Google Docs, I was sloppy. You know, the Google suite was just not enough for me because a Google sheet for me is like, sends me down an instant spiral. I can't, like anybody on my team now knows that if there's information to present to me, it can't come on a, on a it can't come on a sheet because I like start to hallucinate. It's, I don't know if it's the lines for me. So I, I might have to look into Notion because a bullet journal sounds um, interesting to me. So I'll keep you posted with my Notion journey, but um, in terms of my overall vibe, I just made a, a TikTok about this the other day. I said that I wasn't, I, I don't feel like I'm sad. I don't feel like I'm in 
it's not a malaise. I'm not angry. I'm not. I'm just sort of mm. not. And I've been feeling not for a couple weeks. Um, and I asked, you know, I asked the followers if they also have felt not. And people were like, yes, I have. Um, and then I actually, yesterday, I had a fantastic meeting with a client. And I realized that I think that the not that I'm sitting inside of is actually like the space between two mm. levels. Like, I think what I'm actually experiencing is actively being inside of an up level, which, you know, I, I've done before in my life, but. I said that it's, um, in your life, it's so much easier to know you're inside of the next chapter when you can look back and see the one before it. But when you're in the space between the two chapters, it doesn't feel. Mm. And so I actually feel like that's exactly where I am. So the vibe is, um, I was calling it the blur. I feel like I'm just sitting inside of the blur right now. And um, I had LASIK in 2020, so I'm just not used <laughs> to blur anymore. And so uh, it's, it's uncomfortable and also yeah. all okay at the same time so that's that, yeah that's real nobody really talks about that liminal space when you're in between yeah. phases of your life and when because you're just yep. i feel like it's still a transition even i feel like a lot of times you're like oh it's a transition and you're like oh good luck but we also like, when you're we had right. an astrologer on two weeks ago and i feel like i don't know how much of an astrology bitch you are but the general astrology of 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 right now kind of lends itself to the not feeling the just like i'm like in in terms of astrology you know how it's like um those uh -huh. multiple choice where there it's like super interested <laughs> kind of interested like <laughs> moderately i'm like very much like yes. when it's convenient to me i think it's just wildly fascinating it's more overwhelming to me than anything because mm -hmm. there's so much information about it but i'm really lucky that in my circle i have a couple of people who are who are fanatics and i'm like i just go to them and i'm like Who's in retrograde? Like who's in retrograde? Where's my Where's my star? What's happening? And they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, shit's bad for you right now. And I was like, I well, this is the first. Well, so I feel like I know just enough about astrology to know that my knowledge barely scratches the surface. Is kind of where I'm at. Um, mm. But I will say that as of last week, this is the first time in a long time where no planets are retrograde. So, um, wow. Yeah, so we actually have some like some hopefully some good forward momentum building that'll like at least through the end of April, which is when the next planet uh, stations retrograde. So hopefully, awesome. hopefully we can start feeling a little unstuck soon. Rocking your own. Yep. I feel like honestly, I feel like these. Um, Intros have been setting the vibe to the card that we pull oh, for the true. past few episodes. We'll so see. I feel like I'm sensing a not card. Oh no, <laughs> Justin. Are, so we're. I guess it's, we're going into tarot time. Tarot time. Do you have any tarot, tarot uh, experience or familiarity with the tarot? Tarot. Tarot time. Tarot. Time. My tarot experience is um, extremely specific uh -huh. and extremely limited. Do you know in Barnes & Noble, may she almost mm -hmm. rest in peace, um, at Barnes & Noble they used to sell these like tiny, like really, mm -hmm. we'll call them tchotchkes. Yeah. For the sake of this conversation, we'll call them tchotchkes. One of the tchotchkes they had when I was probably like 12 was a very small box and it was like your tarot kit. And Barnes & Noble was a place of choice that my like dad would take me and my sister after my parents were divorced because they have great hot chocolates. A neutral ground. Um, and it's, a neutral ground, but also like the divorce was great. So fear not, <laughs> listeners. Um, 
and I got a small box that was like your tarot kit and I brought it to school and I was like, you guys, I, this is something I do now. Like I read tarot cards and I'm really, I'm very good at it. So um, I think I maybe did it like three times. I have no idea what I was doing and I probably mm-hmm. changed some lives. So my experience is um, but still, reductive but still and changed So I can't wait for somebody who actually <laughs> understands, <laughs> but still changed True. lives. All right. So here we go. This episode will be coming out next week. So what do the what is the collective? What do we need for a mid February right, moment? Listeners, we're coming off a uh, eight right. of cups, a seven of wands, and what do we have now? <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is a we've got we got a nine of swords, baby. <laughs> This is arguably um, one of the worst tell us, cards tell us. in the deck. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Um, readers, listeners, uh, uh, how have you been sleeping? Um, yeah, so this is a card that usually shows up when people are having anxiety and nightmares. It's called the no so sleep card. Folks, yeah, how, folks, how have you been, like, take, how have you been sleeping? Um, this is, I think, I don't know, this is a card that when I get it, I'm like, uh, you gotta meditate or something, you gotta do something for, this is a card that, like, symbolizes that maybe we are focusing a little bit too much on the unknown and on, um, the worst case scenarios, Um, And like I've said on the podcast before, if you have the imagination capacity to imagine the worst, you also have the imagination capacity to imagine the best possible outcome for yourself. So I think, um, which I think is very useful advice for people with anxiety, um, uh, that I think it's important to like, to take stock of like, when we think about what we're afraid of and what we have anxiety about, um, I think the worst thing for me when I have bad anxiety is not being able to pinpoint where it's coming from. Because mm. usually you can, and you can kind of, like, talk yourself through it. So really sit, like, if you're um, really focused, I think, on having, like, uh, making, if you're having trouble with, like, uh, rest to, like, m- make conscious patterns and ritual around getting good rest so like um, making like your sleep time making your bed an oasis is usually an important thing because this is all about like this guy is like letting all kinds of things into his personal space what is the Mm. owl doing there Um, but it's also like um, uh, yeah what are you letting in uh, that has no right to be there uh and what can you like do some real work i think to pinpoint um where where those fears and anxieties and and uh, ick feelings are coming from anna what are your uh, associations with nine of swords you just laugh this is quite a journey from eight of cups quit your job seven of wands it's not going to be easy everyone's against you but you're doing your thing to nine of swords you're not going to sleep so uh listeners are you are you all right (laughs) you good like is this the story of the great resignation Uh, for many people (laughs) uh where it's like quit your job i'm riding high and then oh shit reality sinks in and you're like i'm on a scary journey Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, because I think it's really easy to I mean, we've all we've all seen the way that like um, 
entrepreneurship and solo careers are very much glamorized. And in a way, it is a great glamorous life in which you are in charge of your life. But it's also really scary because you don't not that, as we've talked about on the podcast before, um, nothing is truly a safe option, and their safety nets don't really exist. But mm-hmm. right, but this is very. This is like you don't even have the social uh, uh, guise of a safety net. Yeah, um, and so this may be when you're like, oh, okay, so I am. I'm doing mm-hmm. this. This Deep is in. real. Deep uh, in it. So that's the yeah. yeah. Well, the thing to know though is that. As with all minor arcana cards, this is a temporary phase and not something you're stuck and you're in. And the nines, so. you're close to a ten, which is completion. Right? Yep. So This is like a hurdle to get over. Yeah, like you're, I feel like a nine is very much like on the precipice of something new. Like you're doing what you need to do. Um, it's not a four. It's like, um, or, you know. This is like in Wizard of Oz when they're going through like the, the scary forest. Mm-hmm. You're almost there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's, it's some just, Willy you know, Wonka guys... tunnel energy. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> anyway, okay. thank you. Um, this is really interesting because yeah, we'll see what we'll see what the journey of the tarot has to take us on our next episode, which is the season mm-hmm. finale. Maybe a treat, um, perhaps a treat. Maybe <laughs> if you're good, you can get the sun card. If you're. <laughs> Didn't we pull the yeah? We pulled the sun that was a like long our, time ago. Our I think beginning the sun. episode, our first episode, was the sun. Yeah. So, and then it was all downhill. Literally. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Get some sleep, guys. Take a melatonin. Um, well, now it is time for our main dish. Set the table. We are serving the main dish. So we all have right. a guest on the pod today, Justin Schumann. And this also came as such a manifestation. We are literally looking for a Broadway actor. or just, I, I don't even, I, I, because me and Kayleen were so interested in the, in the link between like, because I think, we think theater kids are so powerful. And I feel like it's like mm-hmm. a theater kid's time to shine now. Um, just with the power of creation, right? Even like the form of TikTok. And um, it's designed for theater kids. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we one of the things we wanted to talk to was like theater professionals. And like, we're both theater kids. And like, I worked in regional theater for a long time. And Anna is a theater kid at heart. She's sitting here in her Les Mis sweatshirt. Um, and we just, um, we really wanted to talk to, because listen, one of our things is we like to challenge what the definition of an entrepreneur is. I think people have this idea that it's just like this business bro or this like mompreneur, but in reality, ain't nobody hustles like a New York actor. <laughs> but I do also want to say I am, I am both a business bro and a mompreneur. Yes. So you kind of got the, uh, you know, the, the holy trinity. Yes, yes, yes. Are, yeah, but are you also say. a girl? Are you a girl boss as well? Um, so, I'm a girl that's... boss gatekeeper, and I would like that on a t-shirt. Are you a great girl boss gatekeeper? Yeah. No gaslight? No, 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 no. I have to draw no the gaslight. line somewhere. Okay, that's important. That's important. But yes, so Justin has is 
uh, is on Broadway in uh, Tina right now mm-hmm. and is also um, a coach and has a lot. It sounds like has a lot of things going on, is like having a, has a really great TikTok. And a photographer. I will let you speak. Yeah. Um, and a photographer. Um, so, yes, lots going on. Um, l- lots of moves being made. Justin, would you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. And, and a little bit of background. Yeah. Um, so, as Kayleen mentioned, I am in Tina, the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. I always feel so beholden to say the entire name, even though it is yes. so long and we know who Tina is. <laughs> Although I will say, I will say we once, uh, my boyfriend was telling a f- mutual friend of ours that I was in the show and he was like, wow, I didn't know they would make a musical about her life. And I was like, is it? Is it that hard to believe? And he was like, I mean, is Tina Fey that prolific? And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, so maybe maybe we should say the, the whole name. Um, yeah, I'm sure marketing and PR appreciates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Tina Fey, the Tina Fey Mean Girls, the musical. Um, so, Lemon. and at Tina. The 30 Rock musical. Right, which would actually probably do perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, and at Tina, I'm a swing. And just a very brief definition oh. for those of who don't know. Yes, thank you. Um, I was telling Anna last night, I was like, he's a swing. We're going to have such a good conversation. Yeah. And she's like, what's that? Well, here we go. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, what's funny is I always, I say the definition of what a swing is and people are like, no. And I'm like, no, it just doesn't sound real because it shouldn't be real because this is an insane thing for one person to do. But mm-hmm. a swing basically yet- is an offstage company member that covers, I'm just going to say any onstage cast member. And I say that because oftentimes it's the ensemble roles, but a lot of the times you'll also cover a principal, in which case when you go on for them, you get a bump because the principal is a different kind of contract. But in the times of COVID, um, really, you could go on for like just about anybody. So um, in the post-Omicron moment, I've gone on for tracks that I don't even necessarily technically cover, but I've been like at the gym a couple hours before the show and I was trying to think through who was going to be out of the show that night. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to have to do this and this track tonight in a weird split cut whatever and it has then come to pass where I then like run to the theater and like teach myself something very quickly and I'm like okay cool let's see how it goes on Broadway tonight um so it it really does take this sort of computer like brain and and that's not me being like I'm over here beautiful minding it I'm just saying it's like (laughs) I I think it's the way that it's the notion inside of my head right like it's this it's this way that I have of of um compartmentalizing the information in a way that I can like double click the folder and open it and sort of access what I need when I do. Um, And I think that's also a pretty good metaphor for how my brain just works in general. But Tina is great. I mean, it's such a fun show. I I would encourage any listener who's in the tri-state area to to come and see it. And Broadway is very much back. Um, And when I'm not on in the show, which is honestly more often than not, I'm in my dressing room backstage and as sort of mentioned before I'm either doing some light photo editing although I try to do most of my editing at home so that I can like energetically keep something separate but I also in the last four or so months jumped on TikTok as a content creator and I didn't know how honestly I would say that title in even though I very much do now uh in the space of authenticity visibility um I operate under this belief that human is a verb and it's something that we do. It's not something that is a noun that exists outside of us. It's something that we have to do very, Mm. something that we have to do very purposefully. Um, And so, and then as in that space, I've sort of served as, you know, use the word coach before, which is, is, is correct and apt. It's just a word that for some reason I've never 
jived with. And I think it's because there's a lot mm-hmm. of really weird stigmatized language surrounding coaching, which is also bullshit and garbage because of course there's some shitty coaches out there and there's some incredibly life altering coaches out there. So I, you know, I say I've been spending months in trying to figure out what's the title, what's the role. So I've done story strategist, personal brand architect, mm. expert in human energetics, authenticity, expert, all, I, I, everything to not say coach. Um, but yes, what I'm doing largely is jumping into people's lives when they open up space and they allow me in and helping them distill their story down into how they might leverage it on social media. But again, the gag of it all is how can you live a more authentic life, how can you human as well as you possibly can out in the real world, using social media as a place to explore that authenticity and sort of play around in your personality sandbox. Um, Mm. And so we have Broadway, we have um, J Shoots, which is my headshot company, which I built to be a six figure business, which is very cool. And then over here we have the TikTok content creation, not just TikTok, Instagram is in there too, but she's been left behind for the moment um, because she's sad. And then, uh, and the consulting that goes on over there. So it is this like, I say three and a half full-time jobs because the the content mm-hmm. creation feels like a 0.5. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you use it, we're making moves and we certainly are. Multiple streams of income first, because mm-hmm. I think that's such a important thing to have, um, especially as as an artist and as a creator, and quite frankly, uh, as a human at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, I want to talk about how you got. I think a lot of times people can get very overwhelmed um, when they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, there's so many things to do. What do you mean, like multiple streams? How? Right. How did you land where you landed? And then how can people take this kind of like authentic approach to be like, what what is sustainable for me? What do I jive with? And then like, how do I integrate this into my yeah. life? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I will also reference a, a TikTok that I made probably a, a week or two ago where I said, we, we all know that artists, creatives, theater kids, right? We'll use theater kids for this particular situation. We're the OG experts in multiple streams of revenue because we've been cobbling together side hustles for decades to make a living wage. And why I think it's hysterical is like we're all searching for the answers when we're the ones who like created this. We're the ones who've been Mm. working four jobs at once to make it all happen. Mm. So I think part of it is also taking back the power and being like, no, 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 no. Y'all may be investing in your Airbnbs and like have your assets and whatever, but like, I'm over here bootstrapping it, working at this restaurant and then freelancing over here and then nannying at nights to do whatever, whatever. And so I think that there's a lot of rewriting that needs to happen. I also think that the language we use to typically describe the multiple streams of revenue in a creative's life, they look like side hustle or, um, you know, gig (laughs) or muggle job or or whatever Mm -hmm. these things. And I don't even know if I can say that anymore because J.K. Rowling is dead to us, but... um, (laughs) Uh, I think that instead it's it's what are you doing alongside of the pursuit of your dream? Right? Like what are you doing? There's just some weird stigma that comes along with still the things that we need to do because it's like even when you, you're on the subway and you run into a friend, it's like, oh, what are you up to? And people are like, oh, I'm auditioning. And like, yeah, and and? And they're like, well, you know, I'm working front desk at the gym. And I'm like, why is there this weird shame about it? And I'm sure I've exhibited it too in the past, right? Because you're doing something other than your quote unquote mm-hmm. dream or passion to make your money. But like, of course you are because 
you weren't gonna pro you probably weren't gonna graduate from school and be the world renowned artist or the fashion designer that you think you're gonna you know for a few years and so there's a little bit of rewriting that needs to go on I believe um, and I've lovingly called my headshot company was my first sort of additional stream of revenue and my main one to be honest for many years in addition to performing but I always called it my survival job mm. because. I have very nice taste, I like nice things, um, and I really just wasn't willing to live a life where my decision to participate in my passion of pursuing theater dictated the lifestyle that I then had to live as this quote unquote struggling artist, which again I think is yeah. garbage and needs to be thrown out. Um, yes. So my biggest piece of advice for the second question is, is really start with what you love because I think it's actually not terribly difficult to monetize a passion. I just think what you have to do is realize that you're deserving and worthy of being paid for whatever expertise comes along with that passion and whatever authority or credibility space that you sort of inhabit because of it. So it's not that you're gonna be making, uh, you know, I, I don't know, um, say you want, say you want to start a freelance business editing people's podcasts, right? So you're going to start on the ground level and work with folks like yourself and you say, hey, send me all of your raw files. I'm gonna make it beautiful for you. You're not gonna be charging $500 a podcast episode quite yet, but if you build your clientele and you build your, um, you, you get great testimonials and maybe you have a social media presence, you can eventually turn that into something pretty major. So the the ascent is can be long, but, um, Monetizing a passion is not impossible, and I would argue the way to go, because you mentioned the word integration, and how easy is it to integrate something that you already mm -hmm. loved doing, and probably did for free for a number of years anyway. Then the problem becomes, at least this, this is the space I'm in, I've now monetized all my passions, mm -hmm. and I'm like, holy shit, what do I do for fun? <laughs> what do mm -hmm. I do for not? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, an episode we did in the first season, is monetizing your hobbies, and it's like, do I have any hobby or passion that I haven't right. at least in some way made money off right. of? I tried to be like, oh, I really love makeup, and Anna's like, people have paid you to do their makeup before, and I was like, damn it! And, I, and you can, and both are true, you can you can still love it, and there's still photo shoots I'll do, yeah. although they're very, very infrequent, but it's, you know, probably not in my studio, but anytime yeah. I stop and I see a family trying to take a photo of themselves in Times Square, mm. and I'm like, oh, oh poor, God bless. poor babies, and I'm like, do you, do you want me to take your photo? And they have no idea, but I'll like grab their cell right. phone and like cue me like getting on the ground and like getting the shot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, cause I still fucking love this and I'm still very good at it. Right. They didn't pay me a thousand dollars to take that photo, but I wanted to do it. So it, both can be true, but there, multiple streams of revenue are so important because everything's expensive. I don't know if you guys know this, but everything's really expensive these days. <laughs> um, and um, keeps getting higher. Yeah, it's weird. The number just keeps going up, and especially in a city like in a city like New York, it's just. I mean, it's laugh. It's almost laughable sometimes how much I got a tuna sandwich from a bodega the other day, and it cost me nine dollars. And I was like, hmm, hmm, I should have made this at home. Um, and so it, I, I'm a huge proponent of of people monetizing their passions and establishing multiple streams of revenue because it also gives you the power and the autonomy of your own life to say, nope, this is, and, and Kayleen, you were saying before about the things you need to say no to because you're mm -hmm. actually historically a yes sayer, but no is actually a more magnetic word for you right now because it leaves you space for the things that are your true, true yeses. And so establishing multiple yeah. streams of revenue would also do that for someone. Yeah, I think it's great too that you have, uh, that you're like, 
other thing is also something that keeps you in the industry and keeps you connected because like looking at like something yeah headshots are are for performers and for people in the public eye so to have like something that can make you money but still keep you connected to the thing that you like is your passion yeah. is also really it, great and too it, and i'm sure a great networking opportunity as well. well it works both ways you're so right so it's cool because it keeps me connected but at the same time something that sets me apart like a unique selling proposition of me as a mm-hmm. headshot photographer is hey look mm-hmm. i've handed a photo of my face mm-hmm. to hundreds of people before i know the unique awkwardness that comes with handing a picture of your face to a casting director so know that when i'm behind the camera you don't just have some photographer who's out of touch with what we're doing, but I'm an actor. I'm actually still currently working. So not only have I been in your shoes, but I also kind of know what they want because I also shoot for a lot of agents and a lot of managers. Um, mm. And I always say too, I'm so over these headshot rules of days of yore of like the jewel tone dress and the ringlet curl. And like, now if that's still authentic you, by all means, like bring your Leducas in and let's shoot. Yeah. But I'm over here being like, I shoot a lot of gender non-conforming folks of color, et cetera, et cetera. And so to know that me as a very white cis man have created a space that's, I'm privileged to say that I've created a space that feels open and safe for people who've possibly felt overlooked or not seen before. That's who I really want to be working with right now, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'll, I'll shoot anybody, like get on my books, but I, <laughs> those are the people who I can really dig into with. Yeah, and I feel like I've seen so many bad headshots. I've seen so many headshots of, like, my beautiful friends who I love where I look at their picture and I'm like, that doesn't look anything like yep. you. And it's That's not representing who you are and what you bring to the table at all. No, and to be honest, it's the photographer's fault because um, this is something I talk about a lot, too. There's a... With my headshot clients, I always make sure that at least for a half hour prior to the session, we Zoom so we can just get the chance to talk and get to mm. know each other because I find mm. that the the difference in a successful headshot shoot is not the lighting, it's not the angles, it's not the clothing, it's the trust between the photographer and the the subject. Um, because it takes an insane amount of willingness to stand and reveal, and that's what I'm asking clients to do basically, because in those photos that you were saying where you don't see your very beautiful friends, it's because energetically they weren't mm-hmm. there. There was still a huge wall up. And there's this moment that actually happens, and I and I did a piece on this. But I saw a this TikTok. That, I loved it. I I I, yeah. I shoot, I'm behind the camera, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And people in the comments refer to it as like an unmasking moment, and I suppose that's a way of of putting it. But there's a moment where like the client drops in, and I almost mean like yes, they sit into their own body, but it's as if they literally like fell out of the sky into their own body and let themselves be seen, and it. It happens at a different point in the shoot for every single client, but it often comes after warming up just a little bit. We get their tunes on, like we really make the space something that feels like they can just be. And different clients need different things. Some clients need to sit, like some people are just sitting people and their energy needs to be like sat down. Some people need to be constantly moving if they have a dance background perhaps and they feel so stilted and stuck if they're just standing still. Um, But eventually there's a moment where I'm like, there you are, I just saw you. Like, there you are. Mm. What, what did that feel like? Who was that? How did you just show up? Because again, you can get very high level about it and say like, yeah, you're like, I just saw you and you were there, which is true. But then it's my job to also say, well, tactically, how did you make that happen? Mm-hmm. Did it, did you take a, did you take a breath? Did you really feel your feet on the ground? What were you thinking of? Because I think that that's where I also live on social making, showing up authentically a technique. 
it's actually something that you can refine your ability to human seriously. And, and that's why I come for people when they're like, you're basically espousing these ideas that showing up on social media, you're glamorizing the idea of showing up and performing yourself. And for a while I pushed back against it. And then I was like, actually, Fucking, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm basically saying you can show up as a very purposeful version of yourself and just dial the volume up. Mm -hmm. And if you want to call that a performance, fine. But you know what? Athletes perform. Mm -hmm. Stocks perform. Everybody performs. Everything else can perform. Right. Right. And it doesn't inherently mean that that performance is performative. But that's why the idea of being inside an authentic flow for me is is a mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. In this moment, I'm sitting in this chair and I feel very myself with both of you. But I'm also realizing that I'm giving you like slight podcasty voice so that I sound like yummy and mm-hmm. warm, but like this is an aspect of myself. Exactly. But the, view, the the listeners can't see, I'm sitting in a literal robe, a terry cloth robe because that's very what, comfortable how we do looking. podcasts. Very comfortable yes. looking. And so it's like, yeah, you're getting a performance of me right now, but, but one that I feel deeply entrenched in reality and truth mm-hmm. I, yeah. there's this it's like at, at, when at any point are any of us not performing in some way or shape or form yeah. my my brother I remember one time I was nervous to do something and my I was like oh I don't want to do this thing and my brother was just like just put on your other personality he was like you have a version of yourself that will do that so just like put her on and go do the thing and I was like <laughs> yeah. oh you're so right um I want to dive a little bit more into TikTok because I think it is such a interesting and exciting opportunity and that's how we connected um, because we're asking people to show up a lot more raw than any other social media it's it's not like Instagram where it's kind of like these long captions like it's literally like sometimes it's just shit posting right or it's just like funny jokes or just really ob- obscure thoughts um, like my friend the other day he was like I, I look at your TikToks I don't know what you're talking about though and I was like you're not the intended audience right because the people that see it, they're like, oh, that I, I have had that obscure thought. So um, can you kind of talk about working with people um, on the platform and then finding people and then kind of like, also, I kind of want to talk a second part of the question, too, is like conversion on TikTok, mm-hmm. because I feel like that is a very... I think we're all still kind of figuring out like TikTok conversion, right? Because like Instagram, we understand, but like TikTok, how do we get them to actually like more than follow, right? Like engage in our our space. Yeah. So before we even hit that one, I just want to reflect back on you, something you said about your brother saying you have that personality, go put that on. I think that that's, that's one way to say it, but I also just say like we all are a Crayola 64 box, right? And so instead of like you have another separate personality, it might just be other aspects of your person that you could choose to amplify in that moment in that situation. So mm-hmm. I always say it's our it's my job to, when, when I work with my clients to help them identify leverage and then amplify those aspects of their person to get shit done, to make shit happen. So it's like, and, and I only wanna clarify that only because I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, oh, so it's fine where I feel like I have to totally change into another person when I walk into mm, a party. Fair. Or I have to totally change who I am when I'm around my parents. And I think that the language we use has to be really, really specific. And, and I know the exactly the, the intention that your brother had. And, I, and the, the point is correct. I just wanna say that I think that it's not you stepping into a different 
version of yourself. You're just choosing to dial up different aspects of yourself in that mm-hmm. moment. Does that make sense? It's just something I like, was like, yeah. just want yeah, to totally. another way of thinking about it. But um, which which leads right into TikTok because that's why I think I'm experiencing some modicum of success on TikTok is because that's what I do. I just I'll speak my mind. I'm pretty stubborn. I'm very honest. I'll say fuck. Um, and people are like, wow, I've never heard anyone talk about authenticity in the social media space in the way that you are. And I think it's just because largely people are afraid of pissing people off or of revealing themselves. And I really just have no fucks to give anymore. So I'm just like, well, here I am. Um, and so you asked about connecting with people on the, what was the first part of the first question? Um, like helping people it, like find their voice yes, on the yes, platform. Yes. So it really comes down to what are your goals, right? Because you said you have a friend who watches your TikToks and is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you said, well, you're not the intended audience, which means that you've put thought behind who, who your intended audience is. And I would argue that if you've put thought behind who your intended audience is, you have some sort of goal where TikTok is concerned, right? Now, I'm also not saying that everybody out there needs to want to monetize social media as a platform, doesn't need to have a goal of building a community of 300,000 people. My base argument for participating on social media is that again, it's an opportunity to explore your own authenticity and play around with those colors. If that's your base goal, that's awesome. Mm. Now, if you've come to me, probably you're either a creator, you've already created, I work with some clients who have upwards of 5 million followers who are like, I have been so jammed into my niche and I'm just no longer happy when I show up. I don't feel like I'm myself anymore. So the part of it is going back to why did you get into this in the first place? Where's the joy? Who are you and how can we bring you back out of this? So I work with some really big creators. I work with also some folks who have never jumped on social before but have a hunch that it's the place that they need to be for X, Y, or Z reason. Grow a business, make sales, explore their own authenticity and confidence. And then there's this client in the middle who I'm finding I attract occasionally and I'm just obsessed with. And it's like the person who is certain that they have this unbelievable seed of awesomeness inside of them and is finally ready to do something about it. Um, And those are some of my favorite clients because they're standing on the edge of the cliff and they're basically asking for someone to push them off. And I'm a really good, I'm a really good cliff pusher. Um, but, but, but it's more like I'll jump off, I jump off with them. Right. Because I don't think it's, it's responsible of me to be like, okay, you got the parachute. I've got the parachute. I've got the snacks for after we land. And so it's like, that's, that's sort of what I do. And so I also don't really sell all that much on social. If you watch my TikToks, I really don't do a lot of promotional content. I just, talk about what I do and what I believe and it converts really nicely. I mean, well, can I, can I interrupt real quick? So you make these TikToks, they're like, they're long and they're usually, you don't follow trends. You do a lot of these like rant Mm -hmm. style TikToks that are like one to three minutes. Like they are long puppies. And honestly, one of my friends, Actually, funny enough, my friend who was like, your TikToks don't make sense to me. He sent me one of your TikToks. <gasps> Isn't that funny? And I was like, oh my gosh, we're having him on the podcast. And he never really sends me TikToks, right? Because we're just on the different side of the universe on that uh, <laughs> platform. But you were our mutual. So I think that you're reaching a lot of very interesting people. And I think one thing that I really connect with is that you do just have these very 
I don't know. Like I feel like you kind of tickle the brain and and you talk, Ooh. and that's and that's something that I think a lot of people have resistance for on the platform to just like show up and talk and be present mm-hmm. and really say kind of like these hidden thoughts almost. So I really appreciate I, I, that. So many things you just said. First of all, I have to add brain tickler to my resume because <laughs> I'm obsessed with how like secretly dirty that sounds. Um, also, you mentioned that I, I, you know, I occasionally do trends, right? Because I think that trending audio is a is part of the right. platform. Mm-hmm. That's right. like part of the thing. I also did a piece where I was like, I argue that trending sounds are a great opportunity for somebody who's not an actor on Broadway to pretend mm-hmm. because that's all we're doing. Like mm-hmm. the gag is like, all I'm doing is trying to help you access your colors so you can pretend better because what you're really doing when you're pretending <laughs> is you're just, you're being you in various situations. Cause that is LOL. All acting is. And in a way that's, Acting doesn't have to be fake, and that's kind of a part of the, there's probably a content piece in here, and I'll probably film it today, but um, I'm so glad that I could be the intersection of those two things, and and you're right, there is this resistance to showing up and just being, and I think it's because it's scary as shit for most people, um, but I also, one of my like slogans are, or the hills that I'm dying on, on on TikTok, I'm dying on a lot of hills, by the way. <laughs> the hill that I'm dying on is that I love to die on hills. Um, and um, I always say, you are your niche. And I don't think this is an incredibly, like, I don't think I'm the very first person in the history of ever to say this, but I am one of the people to, like, really run with it because so many social media coaches, strategists, business coaches basically say you cannot, you cannot survive, you will not thrive unless you niche way the way the way the hell down and I understand the energetics of what they're saying what they're saying is you can't go out there and present just this incredibly generalized version of self because you'll end up talking to no one you'll dilute yourself to the point of nothingness all of these things I agree with what I just don't agree with is the fact that you're intimating that me myself and I am not specific enough and that's what people are afraid of people are afraid of being so specific to the point where they are different they are other and I'm encouraging otherness basically um and so I wrote a piece today that I was like oh that'll that'll turn some people off I think that some of the reason that people argue for niching down is they're doing it out of fear Mm -hmm. because the minute you niche down so far that you're talking to the 36 year old woman with IBS who lives down the block in the yellow house whose grandfather was in the Vietnam War Mm -hmm. um which is about as specific as a niche you could get you you know exactly what you have to talk about because you're only talking to Patty. And that's fine, (laughs) Patty needs your help most likely. But the flip side of it is if you don't have Patty to talk to, what you talk about, the content you create and the content you construct, it's all on you, baby. Mm -hmm. You gotta stand out there, tits out, and sort of just like, I'm gonna try this. And that's scary as shit for people. Um, And so that's where I'm saying like, cool, it is scary. If you don't mind, I'd like to be your person. Mm-hmm. Let me be your person. I'll yeah. just hang out with you and we'll figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you, okay, so Anna got her TikTok question in. I would like, yes. I would really love to talk a little bit more about your theater journey if you're okay with that. Broadway. Bra- yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that a lot of, I, I feel like obviously, like I said, I kind of mentioned before, I think that, um, there's very like very being an an actor and a performer in a professional context is very much being 
your own business owner and entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that because they have this idea of Broadway as like the finish line. Um, Mm. When I don't think most people know that like professional performers, even those who are super talented and somewhat popular and get are in super um, like amazing shows often don't know when their next project is after that one Mm -hmm. ends. And it is very Mm -hmm. much a like, consultant kind of lifestyle. (laughs) Sure. So, um, I don't know if you can talk a little bit more about your journey with theater and how that kind of maybe that skill set like lends itself to, um, the working for yourself, entrepreneurship kind of hustle thing. Absolutely. I would love to hear you speak on that. Yeah. Wow. Where do you even start? It's funny. I I find myself talking about theater the least these days, which is so crazy because I'm still actively in a Broadway Broadway show. We have two. Tell tell this to your younger self. You're going to be on Broadway and you're never going to talk about it. (laughs) That's the, and I I think about this constantly because I've been with Tina since 2019, which is four calendar years for those keeping track at home. You stayed with it. Wow. Well, yeah, well, but we've was been that, well, it was six like, and a half was it a, pandemics. Was it like so a workshop? Like, Did you start with it as a workshop or just, was it? It opened in London. And so mm. I wouldn't say that the London production was the workshop, but when they came to New York, they knew that Broadway was like the goal. And so we made some, you know, in, in rehearsals, we obviously made some shifts and changes to the shows and the show. And then, of course, it changes in previews still. But I was just, I'm a member of the original Broadway cast, which is cool. There's a lot of us still there. But because again, we haven't even hit 300 performances, even though we opened on Broadway in November of 2019, which is outrageous wow. because we did November of 2019 to March 12th of 2020 when the world shut down. And then then we opened back. It's just crazy. And so I do think of younger me a lot because I'm sitting up in that dressing room or, I, or, or I'm going on. Like I'm on, you know, I think I'm probably doing both shows today in a small capacity. I really don't even remember or know. Um, but... It's crazy, and and I think what's crazy is still, and I say this to to a lot of people, and I mean it with respect for Broadway, but also as an opportunity to ground everything in reality, because I think that's also part of my raison d'être for being here. It's just another theater job. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be in New York City, and it happens to pay more than probably any other theater job you've done. Besides those two things, it's like every other show, Kayleen, you've ever done. Yeah, It's like every other show you've ever seen. It's there's just more money mm-hmm. and it just happens to be on 46th street. Yeah. And now, now you also happen to be surrounded by some of the best of the best at what we do because of those factors, but there's still bullshit. There's still drama. There's still all that shit. And I, and I would say this to anybody in the theater itself too. It's like, we all know mm-hmm. it's a workplace. It's absolutely a workplace. Now my show is really, really special. And I think we also are telling a story right now that is super timely about a, an unbelievably iconic woman of color who triumphed through racism, abuse, et cetera, et cetera, and and became and is the person she is today with a canon of unbelievable music, of course. Um, but Tina's my first show. It's my debut on Broadway. And um, it, it happened as so many things do. The minute I started to stop gripping in my real life, I had been... I graduated from Northwestern University in 2013. And of course I was like, well, I'm gonna be on Broadway tomorrow. And so like, what do I need like any of this for? And so that didn't happen, but I did work really consistently. I worked regionally, I toured, 
And in 2019, I was starting to release the idea of like, maybe it's not gonna happen for me. Like, I really thought this was just gonna be a no-brainer. Um, and 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 headshots were going really, really well, and I had this vision of my life where I was like, I guess I could stop pursuing theater and still live a version of my dream life, because as you said before, it was totally interconnected and still involved in my ideal industry. And it was when I finally stopped gripping that the universe was like, you can have it now. Um, <laughs> And and it happened and it was it was very cool and it really was amazing and it is it continues to be amazing but um, yeah a lot of my cast members don't know what their next gigs are I don't know what my next gig is mm -hmm. I I I'm a different person in 2022 than I was in 2019 for so many reasons chief among which being you know eventually this TikTok following in not so long it will be at 100k. I've built this other business now that's super, super, and to speak to the thing before too, I'm converting like crazy from TikTok, which is mm -hmm. so cool. I wake yeah. up most mornings to at least one or two more one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions wow. booked. So this congrats, is, and this congrats. is actually my, thank you. This is my very first podcast interview ever. <gasps> I don't even think I mentioned. Yeah. We're so yeah, honored. So I'm also honored because this was like, y'all asked me, and then like two more came through, and I was like, oh, Maybe this is a space I'm supposed to be in. Yeah. I've always wanted to. I love speaking. I'm. <laughs> I like to talk. Yeah. Um, clearly, so it's it's crazy because I don't know what my next gig is, but I also don't care in the sense that I know I'm going to be taken care of. Right. Like I, I, the universe really just does reveal shit for you whenever it's necessary, whenever it's supposed to. And so, um, well, this is coming out next week. I suppose I can say yeah. it, but I I haven't really publicized this, but I'm doing a TED Talk in May. <gasps> Um, Congratulations. So, so literally listeners will be the first people to know. Thank you. And so I don't know what's next. Can you say right? what your TED but talk I, is about? I could if I knew. Yeah. Um, it's a, long, I, it's a this, long development process from what I understand. It is wild in the sense that I currently have three I look at them as paths because when I kind of meet with the mentor, because they really do connect you with somebody who will help you refine everything. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool process and, and company in that way, um, or, uh, organization in that way. But I look at it, these three paths and sometimes I'll be like in the middle of one of the, the scripts or the talks and I'm like, ooh, I'm kind of like merging onto this other path and I really have to simplify and specify because it's really like six to eight minutes of your time, which is hardly anything. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I will share because I think this is beautiful and another content piece because they just write themselves. When I was first pitching it before I had been given the, the yes, the the guy that I was talking to, who's one of the co-founders of this particular TED event, was he said, a really great TED talk is an act of generosity because it's something the speaker paid a great price to know mm. that the audience doesn't have to pay the same price to learn. Ooh. And I struggled for a bit because I'll just share too. My sister passed away in 2015 in a car accident. Mm. And it's just part of my story now. And, and that was seven, you know, six and a half, seven years ago. Um, and I realized like I've really paid no greater price. And so it probably has to be about this, doesn't it? And mm. so it's when I finally started to sit with that that I was like, yep, it does. It just has to. And so I'm hoping that the talk speaks to anybody who's been through literally any sort of rock bottom, but whatever the core of the, whatever the talk ends up being superficially at the, at the surface of the, the water underneath will be an ocean of this declaration of much or the idea of permission to be, because what happens when you get to the end of a life and you have all of this life that you still haven't lived, right? Like, because you were rationing it 
for something. Um, so it's something in there. So we'll come back to this podcast episode post May and we'll see how closely I stayed. But um, it's just to go, to wrap that up with a bow, theater has been this unbelievable character in my life and it won't leave. And I'm sure that Tina's not my last Broadway show, but you know what? My next one will probably be because I have a social following and I'm really good at what I do. So mm-hmm. at least I won't be like a YouTube star that replaces in like, I don't know, a, a show because they're just a YouTube person. Like I legitimately am good at what I do, but social clout in terms of a following is, is a thing these days, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm just trying to build a community slowly, but with integrity, because I want a community that I can lean on and a community that will turn to me as well and celebrate me and whatever I do next. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like there's a lot of resistance sometimes when people, when you talk about like growing a community online, but it's like, I have like a teeny tiny TikTok audience, but like, they're homies, man. Like they're right yeah. there. Like I, I like have some people's emails. I'm making like these amazing connections and it's just mm-hmm. like, it's, it's tiny, but it's like, I, I was in the YouTube scene for a while too. And like, man, those people, I was, I was doing book reviews and it's just like the people that you can cultivate, even if it's not just to like professionally, like just people with similar interests and like the same thoughts. Like it's, it's such an amazing tool. And I think what you're doing is honestly kind of like the God, like God's work, right? It's like giving people (laughs) permission almost to like have this courage to like show up because it can change your life in a lot of different ways. And I feel like there's a lot of cringe factors with it, but then once you can sidestep and be like, okay, what if I'm okay with being fucking cringy? I that's what I'm saying. I love I love when people call me cringy. I just love it because I'm like it just means that you're like showing up authentically and like earnestly. You're calling me earnest, like so. And also, right, you calling me cringy has everything to do with you and Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me. And I even just love the way cringy feels in my mouth. I'm Mm, like, bitch, call me cringy. I love it. Cringe it it up. Cringe it up. I feel like we could talk forever, but I feel like I know. <laughs> I feel like the time is is not on our side. So um, we'll have to hopefully have you on in a future episode, and we can maybe talk about your that. your TED ex, TED Talk experience and oh my gosh, see yes. where you've got see where you've grown. But um, I do think it is probably time where we need to talk about the bro book review. Bro book review. Bro Book Reviews. I read a bro book every week so you don't have to. Okay. Um, So this one I picked out intentionally because I posted a TikTok about rich dad, poor dad, and there was literally blood in the comment sections. Yeah. There were... I, I've never really seen anything like pull that. Out People fights. fighting. People like, fighting. Pull out fights. Like I, my notifications. I was like, fifty comments of two people. I was like, good god. Okay. Um. So I kind of wanted to make this bro book review a caveat to that because people are like, okay, you didn't like that personal finance book, but like, what do you recommend? I recommend Millennial. Uh, Broke Millennial by Aaron Lowry. So this was written, I want to say like around like 2013, 2015. And it's a good book. I will say I haven't reread it recently. So I don't know how it stands, but um, 
Because unfortunately, like the, the finance stuff got really weird um, within the past 10 years. And we, we we're not really like, we didn't expect social media. I feel like a lot of like personal finance books are like talking about monetizing your hobbies. And we're, we're not really doing that in this book. It's very like simple investing. And it's a very investing 101. What is your 401k like if you have it? Roth IRA options. Um, just investing a little bit to let it grow. Um, and it the thing that I really like about this book is it is kind. I feel like a lot of times personal finance books are just like potatoes, that's it. You know, like the Dave Ramsey, like no lattes for you. And then, you know, the millennials are like, but where's my will to live? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good one. Um, because it is pretty frank, but it, it's just like the, it's not rushing you, but it's also just like, this isn't something you want to do later. If you are interested in doing this, the earlier, the better. Um, so I would recommend that as a good place to start. That's great. Finance. This is quite a string of books you actually recommend people read. I normally, know, I the, just, just I normally so the thing is, is that- in my life, Kayleen. Yeah, Justin, normally the, the, the thing is that she reads it so that nobody has to, but lately she's been like, no, it's no, no, you row. should read it because there's oh. good stuff in it. So you're on a you're on a positive swing with the with the yeah. business books. I want to I give the people a resource because the the rich dad, poor dad folk were mad and they need yeah. a follow-up Well, video, they got caught. So. Yeah, they well, you suddenly made them realize that the book that they've had as gospel is actually just a glorification of child labor. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's a weird book that people like you're like I don't like that book they're like but it taught me how to invest and they're like there's a there's nuance right like I cannot like a book and it can have also taught you how to invest but god um I digress um all right that's the show everybody um Justin if you want to tell our listeners where they can find you to connect with you and work with you oh my gosh I would love to well it will come as no surprise that the best way to find me these days is on TikTok. Uh, you can follow me at Justin Schumann Official, uh, J U S T I N S C H U M A N Official. And from TikTok, you can find any one of my other platforms. Again, the Instagram is about to go through a major overhaul because although she has been left behind, apparently she is also part of the future. So <laughs> we're going to continue to establish a community on there. But TikTok, and I also will say that I get a lot of comments, but I am dutiful about trying to respond to every single comment I get. Of course I miss some, but what I mean to say is that if you do follow me on TikTok or you follow me on TikTok and then you funnel over to Instagram and you send me a message, most likely you're gonna get a response back from me, like no one else is DMing from my accounts even though I have people who are helping me build this thing. So if you find me on TikTok or Instagram and you follow me, mention that you heard me on this fabulous podcast and I will say hi and be so thankful that you're there. Beautiful. Yes, definitely say hi. Um, okay, you can find, um, if you want to follow my Mardi Gras journeys, uh, if that intrigues you, my personal Instagram is Swamp Witch, and the witch has four eyes. Um, but also check out uh, uh, my candle business, Candles Unincorporated. We currently have sales open right now for Valentine's Day candles. This episode will come out after Valentine's Day, but there will still be candles. Um <laughs> So yeah, check out Candles Unincorporated. And then Anna, what you got anything yeah, fun so going on? You can 
Yeah, follow the podcast at entrepreneurqueers.com. Also, we're going to start hosting Pomodoro sessions. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more week. about what that yeah. is next week. But Yeah, so yeah. Um, pretty much we're going to shame you into working in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> no, uh, we are going to be creating a community for people who need help with focus and productivity. So oh, we'll be she's having... such a good yin to my yang, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be hosting Zoom Pomodoro sessions for our listeners um, so that we can all just maybe get our heads down and get some work done. Um, yeah, so uh, my personal, you can uh, follow me on TikTok or Instagram at uh, thefake.guru. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a gay day. Have a gay day. Have a gay day.